You are listening to the Savage Fincast, episode 77. Do the do. Chicago. A criminal mastermind called Overlord held our city in his terrifying grip. Ordinary cops were losing the battle against Overlord's super freaks and mutants. Then, a miracle happened. When I found him, he had no memory of his past. I helped him find an identity and a life. Now we have a fighting chance. Now we have the dragon. This is the Savage Fincast, the show that promises nothing and delivers less. My name is Jim Purcell. I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. And we return again very quickly after our last filler episode. Uh, uh, Whoa, filler! Yeah, hurtful. <laughs> we, we we need to spin some wheels while uh, Craig got caught up on his uh, holidays uh, adventures. How was your yeah. Thanksgiving, Gregory? It was okay. Went up to Massachusetts to see the fam. For the listeners, I live in Philly, so it's it's a bit of a little trek, but. Um, I was, it was killing me, though, because I was listening to the last podcast that I wasn't on. Wrong. No, no, just listening. Like, I want, like, I, when, when you're listening, like, I forget I'm not ha- in on the conversation, and I just want to, like, add my two cents. Like, when you guys are talking about comics and what you were reading, and I was getting all pumped up because, Jim, you were talking about all the Silver Age or the old school Marvel you were reading, and that's kind of right up my alley, and or in the New Gods of DC stuff. So. Yep, yep. I was like, damn, he brings this up and I'm not there. He waited. <laughs> when I am on, you guys talk about video games. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> Love it. Well, good. I'm glad you had a good Thanksgiving, bro. We missed you. Yeah, did you guys have a good holiday? Eh. Yeah. My Thanksgiving <laughs> consisted of a tuna fish sandwich and a microwave uh, can of tomato soup. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked. Wow, it's okay. I, my family was Did you have to work. I had to work that day, so I didn't get to go to my sister's uh, Thanksgiving dinner. But uh, I may do. And Ray, you don't really have any family around in Pittsburgh, right? Nah. So I drove uh, four hours, forty-five minutes home. And uh, let me tell you something. I don't mean to brag, but so like my uh, I'm from West Virginia, folks. So. That's where my twang comes from. But, like, my mom's boyfriend's a high-tech redneck. Like, he just loves com- anything computers and technology and stuff. And he's always got to get the biggest and, like, most, like, whatever. So he fucking got a uh, 70-inch TV. Okay. <laughs> 4K, all that stuff. So, okay, so that's absurd already from the get-go. It is quite. Did he get it on Black Friday? <laughs> uh, no, dude, he just went to uh, Sam's Club. and it MSRP. It was amazingly, it was amazingly like affordable, considering that it was seventy inches. I'll but tell you what, the, TV prices have dropped like a rock. You can get a decent television for three hundred dollars now. It's ridiculous. Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it's, it's like I'm telling you. But the funny thing was, is that so we played Mario Kart split screen, sure, four player split screen, and I just started laughing because I was just thinking about like the absurdity that basically four player Mario Kart on a 70 inch TV is like, was like four full screen TV. <laughs> it was, it was, it was like, we all had our own 35 inch TV. I was like, this is absurd. So yeah, <laughs> we just gamed and ate Turkey and nothing fancy. It's good times. Just good times with the fam. 
Yeah. Wholesome. So let's talk about good times with Savage Dragon. Ooh. Well, I thought we were going to talk briefly uh, last time with just Raven and I. We talked sure. about some comic books we had been reading uh, recently, and uh, we didn't get a chance to ask you. Have you read, been reading ah. anything particularly interesting or anything you want to mention? Uh, I don't read that much new stuff anymore. Um, I I do still kind of hang on to Amazing Spider-Man since Otley and uh, Ramos are on it, but I haven't caught up with that. And mm-hmm. at some point... Jim, you and I got to talk about the Mr. Miracle series that I still haven't caught up on. I've, uh, but, I've actually got to tackle that one. I'm reading New Gods first. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I was talking about the new Mr. Miracle series. Oh, right. Yeah. We, we still got to talk, talk about that. Oh, you okay. So you're not caught up on that series. Okay. No, no, no. I have read the conclusion, and it is really good. All right, mm-hmm. cool. So we'll get to that. Oh, Raven, you're never going to read it. <laughs> I'm excited for you, bros. But the, the one thing I really am excited about is a couple of days ago, um, I got the hardcover of Legends of the Dark Knight, Norm Brayfogel, Volume 2, which probably most people know Norm, I think, passed away back in September. Uh, he had complications from a stroke, I think, like four or five years ago, and I don't know whatever happened otherwise after that, but apparently, well, not apparently, he did pass away, I think, back in September, Um which kind of was just a coincidence that they released volume one and I didn't jump on it and I wish I would have because now it's not really available unless you want to pay like a hundred bucks. But mm-hmm. volume two came out and uh, his, so his detective comics, he was right after Jim Aparo. That, uh, that era, that kind of, that era. That, and it was pre-crisis, post-crisis eighties era. Yeah, and I was only collecting Marvel, but in 1989, uh, Tim Burton's Batman came out, oh, and it was huge. Formative. And yeah, and it got me to start like like that movie blew my mind as a kid. Like I think I was mm-hmm. in seventh grade or something, and so I snapped up Batman comics. And Norm Brayfogel was all over the Batman comics, and he was on for quite a while. He did a couple of spinoff series too. Uh, but his art is just gorgeous. You couldn't have picked a better artist for the time when that movie came out. And even to this day, and I had mentioned to you guys kind of off of uh, offline how I really kind of see him as like the Rick Leonardi of his time in a way. Like his art style is very similar. I need to define that. Um, I've never heard of that guy either. Rick Me Leonardi either. did uh, – I think his art's very similar. He did like uh, Spider-Man 2099. Okay. He's done a whole that bunch I of know. other series. I think Norm Brayfogel is way more famous, but I think their art is very like on par. It's just like an artist's artist, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, But his Brayfogel's Batman is just it's just amazing, really. I mean, if, if you listeners out there don't know who he is or might be a little younger and miss that time – Go go online or, or buy some back issues or a collection and take a look at. Well, you know. I'm on his comic vine right now, going through his uh, his most famous works. Yeah, uh, classics such as Mister T and the T Force, <laughs> <laughs> Ultra awesome. vs. Prime. His Batman stuff, though, he makes Batman like very kind of creepy in the shadows. The way he moves his cape, the way I, he's just he's just a great artist. Did you read everything he draws is good. What's up? Did you read Prime? 
I didn't. I I did read when it first came out. I had the first few issues, and it was pretty cool. He wrote. He drew like the first thirteen of them. Yep. Yep. So uh, that was right when like Malibu, yeah, like Image was just starting. He had kind of, I think, just gotten off Batman. Well, well, I'm always, um, I'm always, uh, bargain bin diving. I'm always finding Ultraverse. Uh, all this, this bro, uh, this, um, sorry, this Norm uh, Brayfogle talk has got me going. Hmm, maybe I should pick up these Prime issues when I find them. Well, I tell you, you can't go wrong with his art. He's, yeah. he's a, he's a great artist. Like I, I, I'm sorry that he's not around anymore because I wish we could see some more art from him. You know, but. Uh, he does have a crap ton of Batman comics, and the cool thing is, if you never got into it, there's you know tons and tons of issues to go through. Um, but yeah, so I was pretty stoked about that. But yeah, that's the big thing I would say for me. Cool. You guys have anything new recently since the last time you guys talked? Well, it's new comic book day. Well, I I did hit a bargain bin the other day, but uh, the only really exciting thing I pulled out of it was that uh, I got that. Superman Batman variant cover for the New Fifty Two Superman series that Eric drew. Yes, yeah. I paid two dollars for that, so I thought that was a good deal. Oh yes, just Sweet, to have dude. a copy of it. And that Rip was that cover off. Toss the wrist. I think it, I think they were celebrating Batman's anniversary, so every issue had a variant cover that had Batman on it. And so I guess they used Eric's draw an Eric drawing for that one. Well, and there's not that many Eric Batman like. Uh, either covers or any kind of published work. Because he didn't draw Batman very often? I I don't know how many times he's really drawn Batman. I don't associate him with him at all. Yeah. That that cover actually, too, is also like what Scott James used for the Deadly Duo cover. Sure. <laughs> on, it is, uh, yeah. Well, it's pretty classic. Uh, I think there's like a... There's, 238. I think there's an Invincible cover that looks like it, too. Maybe that, maybe Maybe it was an Eric Larson variant as well. Maybe. Although no, that was based on the Nova cover. Of course, yeah. Yes. That, yeah, that, yep. was, that was Nova cover. I'm thinking the wrong thing. Yep. Which is also used for Supreme. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. How about you, Raven? Shit, dog. I ain't been to the comic store yet. <laughs> I'm actually uh, due. I'm due. I'm gonna go this. Uh, I'm going to go. It's so funny because I'm going to go completely when it's useless tomorrow and pick it up. So, yeah, I'll be getting some sweet new stuff. Uh, I forget. I added I feel like I added a bunch of shit to my pool. Uh, But, uh, you know, Jim's got me chasing down damn Green Lantern. And, you know, Michelle Fife's got me chasing. down. Wait, wait, Jim, you got him on corporate comics. Grant Morrison did most of the heavy Uh, lifting. Yeah, exactly. Well, your sales pitch helped because, I mean. To be honest, Grant, you know, I feel like he's not the man he used to be for, like, awesome story ideas. But uh, your pitch was pretty damn good. So, no, I'm saying I'll have a lot more next time. You just caught, you caught me at a bad time. That's well, all. Well, I'm actually, uh, I picked up some comics today, but uh, I've just realized that I'm suddenly getting into DC again. Mm-hmm. Which hasn't been the case for quite a while. For a long time, the only two... Don Cheadle? What? Oh, what? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> DC? <sorry. laughs> That's so stupid. I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, ignore me. Okay. It's, it, okay. Um, 
It just seems like <laughs> the last him. the last two years reading Mr. Miracle and The Wildstorm, those were the only two DC books I was really reading. I guess except for Astro City at Vertigo. Right, right. Yeah, but those were really the only books I was reading. But those... Well, you were reading Young Animal too, right? Oh, that's right. I also read Bug and I read Eternity Girl and I read... Uh... I guess uh, I guess the last two or three years I've been just reading more DC in general. You're kind of a DC stan. Yeah. But, You're uh, into him. But this week in particular and next week in particular, there's a bunch of DC, new DC titles that are hitting at the same time. Okay. I wound up... Uh, issue 2 of Green Lantern came out today. So got to nice. read that. Uh, but there's a new series out, a new Martian Manhunter miniseries being written by... Uh, let me grab all... Oops, that's not what I wanted to click. Oops. Uh, it's written by... Was this porn tab? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is annoying. And a mute this Don Cheadle video. All right. Uh, it's written by a guy named Steve Orlando, who I guess is someone who's becoming more and more uh, popular in the in the in the superhero uh, corporate comic scene. Do did he come? Is he new or is he old? Or? I am checking his bibliography really What's quick. funny is that name sounds familiar as yeah, shit. Yeah, he's been kicking around for a while, but I don't see any like indie books that he might have done. Okay. Maybe I'm just not looking deep enough. Looks like he did a bunch of like Midnighter and Apollo series. and uh... I do love authority, so I, that might be where I know him from. But I'm now reading two books he's doing. I'm reading this Man- Martian Manhunter series that just mm-hmm. started, uh, which is being drawn by Riley Rosmo. Ro- Not Rosmo. ringing any bells. He is responsible for, uh, I believe, a series called Curse. Did he do? Yep. Cowboy, that Nin- right. Cowboy Ninja Viking. Oh, yeah. I know that one. No, hold on. Let me make. Let me check. He may have just done a variant cover. Comics always kind of shitty. Yeah, yeah, Riley Rossmo. Yeah, he did uh, Cowboy Ninja Viking. I like his art. Yeah, he's got a very, very interesting, very non-traditional superhero style. He was the one that did that, also that Image comic with, like, Bigfoot and stuff. What was yeah, that called? Proof. He did proof. proof. Yep. 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 Okay, so yeah, he's got he's he's got indie pedigree. Good callback, Craig. Proof. Mm. That's yeah, some vintage that, that image. That lasted uh, a decent amount of issues. It did, yeah. That went, that went the distance, I thought. You uh, um, got sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, this Martian Manhunter books looks really, really different and really interesting. And then, then I decided to pick up uh, Jeff Johns' Shazam just to see what he's up to with that. Shazam. And I'll be honest, it was pretty entertaining. It's got a lot of energy, and it's not as it's not as dumb as the cover makes it out to be. The cover's got like uh, Shazam. Sitting in a classroom, like having trouble with math because math is hard. I hate that cover. Is yeah, do they do they they don't call him Captain Marvel anymore? They make a joke about it, but no, he's not called Ch- Captain Marvel now anymore. In fact, there's this whole thing where do you remember? No, you guys probably don't remember. Back in the um, back in the mid two thousands, Captain sure. Marvel, Captain Marvel Junior. The way Captain Marvel Junior becomes Captain Marvel Junior is that he says Captain Marvel. Not Shazam, because Captain Marvel gives him his power, so he says Captain Marvel to become Captain Marvel Jr. There's this whole thing where Captain Marvel Jr. couldn't say his own name because every time he did, he would turn back into Billy, uh, turn back into Freddie Freeman. Okay. Okay. So there's apparently a whole thing going on right now where Billy can't say Shazam. He can't say I'm called Shazam, or else he'll turn back into Billy Bastion, which is kind of silly and kind of dumb in my opinion. 
But mm. but <laughs> besides that, I thought the first issue was pretty fun because it's not just Billy anymore. He's got all these foster kids that are also all Shazams. So it's almost a te- it's almost a team book. Well, it's 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 not that 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 um not that crazy an idea because remember there's the Captain family. Marvel, yeah. there's, there's Mary Marvel, Junior Mary, yeah. and then there's the Sergeant Marvel. So he's always had like a crew, right? And they just you... brought that idea into the modern age, which when it hadn't really been as expansive as it used to be. Guys, so wait that, a minute. that movie came out already, right? No, that is uh, next year sometime. Oh, really? I think it's in the spring. I, th- I thought it came out already. It seems like it should have. Like, I feel like I've seen so many commercials. I'll be honest. It. it feels like it should have. And also, Captain Marvel should have already been out. But they're both, like, spring movies. You wonder what's hilarious? I mean, just throwing this in here what, that real quick. and Captain Marvel are both getting movies at the same time. Oh, Yeah, that wow. is funny, too. What the hell kind so of, confusing. like, shitty timing? But all I was going to say, and it's just I feel like saying it because I feel like listeners are going to be like, yup. Is 2018 has been a long year. Well, it's weird. I mean, not only did I not realize that Norm Brayfogel died in just September, like it feels like he died a million years ago. Well, but like Stan Lee passed and uh, I mean, I'm um, just saying all these events passed. We had an Olympics this year. We did. Do you even remember it? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Forgotten all about it. Like. Yeah. I'm just saying, this has been a long year, bro. I'm with you. I feel like Shazam should have been out and on DVD by now. <laughs> yeah, it has. It's not. Yeah, th- this this comic, I guess, is out as a. It's an ongoing series, but you can tell the timing was to, to capitalize on the movie a bit. Is the interior art like the cover? Yes, but it's good. It's really good. <sighs> the art is okay. really good. <laughs> I just hate that cover, dude. That cover is so great. lame. I agree. The cover is a poor choice. What issue is it? Shazam issue number one. Oh, they're doing that again. Yeah, <laughs> always. Well, well, well uh, Captain Marvel hasn't had an ongoing series since Power of Shazam in the nineties. What's the cover? The one him sitting at a desk. Yeah, chewing on a Ugh. pencil. Ugh. Like I said, the cover's yeah. bad. The cover is not representative of the interior. Ooh, the boy. story is completely completely. <laughs> it's good. I swear. <laughs> You want to know another strange fact? Just here's a little DC relevant thing: is that uh, Scooby Doo Apocalypse is about to hit? <laughs> it's about to hit 32 issues. Oh, is God. that not absurd? Eh. That's, that's almost like three years of that. I guess it's got to be really good if it if that's lasting that well, long. It's, it's Giffen and De Mateus, so that's. I'm just impressed. Is all. I don't think like anybody saw that shit coming. Is all. Well, if, mm. you, if you put a good creative team on a crazy idea, it generally works. And Scooby Doo's popular. You, you sell Scooby Doo comics all day. There's, there's that. There's like three Scooby Doo books. You know, there's Apocalypse. Wait, you said Scooby Doo is popular. You sell Scooby Doo comics all day. Is that true? There's three Scooby Doo series. Really? Yeah, that Scooby, makes there's Scooby Doo team up, which is basically Scooby Doo makes no sense to me. Scooby Doo is a cultural icon. He's almost as big as Batman. No, no. I just yeah, no. You guys, absolutely you guys not. are old men. <laughs> <laughs> there's a new, there's a new fucking movie coming out. There's Is a Scooby Doo movie? Yeah, they come out with fucking no. Scooby Doo movies. Well, directed DVD movies once a year. 
Oh, directed DVD. I, you yeah, devil. But, but listen to me. It's a it's an animated movie, and it's a conclusion. Starring like the cast of American Pie. Uh-huh. No, no goddammit. You guys are so out of the loop on Scooby-Doo. <laughs> He's so mad. F- fucking, fucking, um, Frank. Was it Frank Welker? Yeah, Frank Welker's still fucking Fred Rog- uh, Fred Jones. Wait a minute. Like, no, it's Freddie, Fr- Freddie Prince Jr. Was... Yeah, Freddie Prince Jr. That's the fucking movie. <laughs> That ain't my, that ain't my All friend. All of a sudden, the Brooklyn Brawler came out. Oh, my gosh. Man, there's a poll. I love the Brooklyn Brawler. You're passionate. I'm passionate about freaking Frank Welker. Scooby-Doo. You respect the voice master. <laughs> I better watch what I Although the, guy, although, although the, the, the kid who played... Casey Kasem isn't, uh, isn't Casey, around Casey, anymore. Casey Kasem is dead. <laughs> but the, 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 the kid who played Shaggy is the current voice of the cartoon Shaggy. Apparently he did well enough to keep that job. I mean, Matthew Lillard. I don't think he's a kid anymore. He's like forty. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying it's so funny that. Oh, well, Casey Kasem was shagging into his seventies. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny that that's the role that defined him now. <laughs> Holy shit! Matthew Lillard looks like someone's grandfather now. What? Okay, I'm sorry. I gotta Google this. This is some good podcasting right here. Your Savage Dragon. <laughs> Look, I grew up on Scooby-Doo reruns. I love Scooby-Doo. You don't not say anything bad about Scooby-Doo. Oh, I love it. I I love Scooby-Doo, too. Point taken. Oh, he is, yeah. He's someone's grandpa. Matthew Lillard looks like he could be an extra in 24 or something. You know what I mean? See, it's weird because DC brought back all these Hanna-Barbera properties and just threw them against the wall with a bunch of wacky creative teams. And most of them did well. I think only a couple of them really failed, but all of them have had like critical success, if not financial success. Uh, that that Flintstone series that was like super like realistic and serious, it was like one of the best books of 2016 for some people. That's what I've heard. I kept hearing it, dude. And the Jetsons, well, by the same team, apparently was almost as good. Jetsons, I slept on that, dude. I didn't even realize they did one. They did. Dude, I, my mind is still blown that Matthew Lillard is almost 50 years old. <laughs> He's still the dude from Scream to me. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know, I don't know who. I don't know who he is. I don't watch. I didn't watch any of those movies. You don't watch Scream? Oh no, God, no. Scream I didn't, one I didn't, is classic. I, I didn't like horror movies when they were played straight. Let alone the freaking parody movies. Although well, I guess Scream isn't a parody movie; it's more of a deconstruction, I suppose. How in the goddamn world do you like Scooby Doo and hate horror movies? See, I don't like blood and guts. Well, that explains that. It is horror movies for kids, basically. No one ever dies, and every time the uh, episode ends, they unveil the masked monster to be just a dude. Well, I didn't get to finish my statement. The, mo- the Scooby-Doo movie is a conclusion to the spin-off series, The 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, <laughs> where 13 ghosts get released and they have to capture them back. Apparently, the series ended when they'd only captured 12 of the ghosts, so the movie Scoop- is going to find the 13th ghost. Scooby-Doo movies have continuity between films? My Some, mind's getting blown left and right. Well, there was a fantastic Scooby-Doo series called uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated that ran like two or three seasons a couple of years ago, which was like one of the best Scooby-Doo shows ever made. I think you need to host a Scooby-Doo cast. I don't know enough I, about Scooby-Doo to do that. I am I am total layman. You're blowing my mind here, dude. You know I more just than respect they. the do. <laughs> I'm still stuck on Matthew Lillard, and I just looked up his IMBD, and I'm really annoyed. He's starting. 
He starred in Ghoulies 3, and, and I didn't know there was a Ghoulies 3. Now I have to watch it. Yeah, you like, I... those, you like those kind of movies, don't you? Ghoulies go to college. <laughs> I got to see that, dude. I love Ghoulies. How did I not know did there was a part Did you see that three? new Puppet Master movie? No, there was a new... Part 25? Sure. What? Does it have the same ones? Like the one with the little head and the guy with the spike eyes and I, I the clown? The head and leech woman? Yeah. Six shooter, the guy with the, the cowboy with the six arms. Has on, it got those? In I it? think he's on the cover. I mean, on the oh. on the box art. Sold, sold, dude. I love all that shit. Everything you just said. Everything I just said, I guess. <laughs> wow, I, I had to tell you guys. Like, I'm sorry. I know we're out in the weeds, and maybe people out we're there way are like out in the weeds. Yeah, I know. Maybe people are like whatever, but. I fucking am glad I learned this shit because I learned that there was a new Ghoulies movie <laughs> and they we went to there. college. <laughs> yep. And I learned of Jim's fondness for Scooby-Doo. I had no idea, dude. Yeah. Conceptually sound. Takes that shit serious. He's yeah. don't mess with it. Table poundingly serious. And then a crossover yeah. with Supernatural of all goddamn things. Yeah, that makes sense. Also dude. WWE. In the comics. Supernatural is a ripoff of Scooby-Doo, so it makes perfect sense. In the comics you're talking about. No, in a movie. In the show. It was a movie. No. Yeah. They animated them. Yes. Oh, uh, animated themselves. Yeah. Why would I say movie? Do you assume live action? There's only two live action Scooby-Doo movies. And they I have been no made, idea. I don't know. They have made since like 2001. I assumed it because... Uh, I don't know. Oh, actually, there was that that Velma prequel movie that came out last year. Because why would you animate Supernatural? I don't know. Um, I guess because promotion. That's the novelty of seeing. They're both owned owned by Warner, so it was easy. I don't know. I don't know why I thought that. I'm sorry. You know, can I just say, Jim, did you see that? See what? That cartoon of Supernatural and Scooby-Doo? No, I never actually saw that. Damn it! I was gonna ask you if Dean nailed Velma or Daphne. Or I both. find it. I I I find that unlikely. I find it highly likely. Dean lays pipe all across America. I've never actually seen Supernatural. Oh wait, not Dean. Sam. Whatever. Both probably. <laughs> all right, you goobers. I, I'm told. Ready to I'm get into I'm, the meat and potatoes? Yeah, we should probably get into that. We got a lot to get 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 through here. Yeah, this, this is a was a hell of an issue. Good lord, this one, dude! Holy Savage shit! Two forty. We got a very <laughs> very action oriented cover. I love this cover. I love the thick chunky black inks there. Compositionally, it's awesome. Like you get some sweet freak force. It's just full of color and just. Heavy lines. Big ass-kicking Malcolm right in the middle. Look at that fist on that cover. So good, dude. Those giant Twinkies. <laughs> I like the Demonoids. There's a lot of cool variety to them. Yep, they do have a variety going. Like, they could have just been... Like just red demon looking guys, but there's like if you look at the different types of demonoids, like all throughout the issue, the cool thing is is that like there's a, just a lot of demonoid variety. Like it's cool. Some I dig are big, it. Some are small. And I'm guessing the like Canadian, the Canadian demonoids don't like to wear clothes, whereas the Chicago U.S. demonoids were fine with clothes. 
Uh, they were pretty naked too, weren't they? I remember some I demonoid don't recall demons ever wearing clothes, but again, I don't. Yeah, look very. Go back and look at two ninety nine. They all wore some crazy clothes. So, how do you interpret their presence here? Do you think it's like the demonoids moved up under Chicago, or do you think they're just like all under the surface of the earth? Well, do you remember? Think back on like one ninety eight. Mm-hmm. So, so the demonoids appeared. Uh, they appeared a bunch of times. They appeared in a flashback, and then they appeared in 198 and 199, and that was their little arc. Were they and, fighting the Lava Lords then? Yeah, well, in 198, if you remember, there was like a big hole in the ground, Yeah. and yeah. some troll guy came out, and he got arrested, and he's yeah. basically like, oh, there's no room down there. There's Lava Lords and demonoids and Giant ant ants. people and grocks and mole people or whatever. And that's kind of how that started with like the demonoids that Mark um, Malcolm jumped in and they got pissed off that he like invaded their space. Mm-hmm. And then they all came up out of the ground. And that 199 was like that, you know, Eric was just starting to draw twice up, kind of not just starting, but he, you know, it kind of was like the culmination of all his one, you know, twice up kind of stuff where Did he just drew that. that early on. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Like yeah, yeah. 190s only 50 issues ago. He's been twice up a long time now. But he used that to kind of showcase like those kind of full page spreads for that whole issue of 199, which was amazing. But all those demonoids in 199 have like, well, most of them, not all of them have clothes. Oh, okay. They have little like uh, shorts on or something, kind of like Fin Fang Foom or something. Glum style. Glumderwear. Although the one thing I did notice, like in this on two forty, is like it just seems like only the female demonoids have wings. Yeah, it, it's kind of cool, like in that way. I don't know. I know it's so funny, like jumping ahead, but like I, I, I love the demonoid. Just the suggestion of this whole other fucking like thing that's just going on. What do you like, mean? Like of just you know, like here's these giant demon caveman style people just under the surface and they have their weird caveman culture and stuff. I got to tell you, I think visually it's cool, but I'm not a huge fan of the demonoids. No, I find them to be more like kind of like the uglies and limited, like the, I don't know. There's just, well, they got no leader. They're just kind of faceless mooks. I used so back, yeah. I, I love when Eric sets things up ten issues or twenty issues beforehand. Give me a reason, like it just seemed like, all right, now I want the demonoids to show up. They're kind of sick of being underground. Now they're gonna come up. Like, I don't know. Build the plot a little bit of why they're coming up. Make me kind of, you know, the the bad guy. What's his name? Basilisk. This is like mm-hmm. between last issue for one panel and this issue is really the only time we see of him. Right. Like, build him up, man. Like, have him appear in a couple of panels every couple of issues or something and, and give me a build-up. I don't know. I, it's just how I feel on some of these things. Like, I no, think it would fine. be more effective if uh, if we had more of a build-up and would care more about what's going on. You know, I think it would be a better payoff. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. I don't find a compelling reason for all of a sudden now they want to come up. Like, tell me why. Is it overcrowded down there? I mean, we, you talk, well, you talked we, about we, it in 198, but... 
Right. The last time they mentioned it is that they've been getting the fighting with the lava lords is result of some kind of other party. Like just basically they're running out of room, which honestly doesn't make a lot of sense because the Earth is pretty big. Um, right, and obviously they're in Chicago and now in well, Toronto. They're, well, they're underground. They're everywhere, Craig. Right. <laughs> they're all across the Earth. The Earth is very big. A lot of underground. So I assume they're just coming up here because this is... They thought it would be easy. Well, it seemed to me... And they're not that far away from Chicago, really. I mean, geographically. Did so, did. Did they not say something, too, about, like, I feel like it was somewhat addressed, like, just a tiny bit. Like, I'm with you. I'm not shitting on what you're saying, because uh, considering what an amazing impact uh, Basilisk has had on this series now, uh, it would have been cool if he had just a little bit more, you know, chops to him. But uh, I feel like they did say why they chose to come up at this point. I'm just kind of blanking on well, it right now. And on 239, he says, it seems our hesitance to invade the service world is unwarranted. They have but one champion defending the city. Wow. Defeat him and the city is ours. So, okay, that's what I was thinking. Of. Good, good, thank you. So it kind of seemed like they were attacking like there this was an attack they were like trying to claim the surface because this is a largely un you know superhero protected city so yeah I, I mean maybe you need more but i'm just saying they did at least have that motivation just a bit i guess they weren't banking on fucking freak force being there <laughs> right well they weren't and they talk about how they were over, like the the in the story towards the end is I think Malcolm's uh, little dialogue says, you know, they didn't really stand a chance. No. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. He's like, yeah, you know, they were, we knew we were going to win. We just didn't know when, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I get you, you know, Hey, listen, uh, if you uh, want them to be more substantial. So like, okay. How much would you like it to go? Would you like it to be like there? We because I kind of like I said to me, what I like about them, they are this kind of somewhat blank slate. Like I would just like when I see these dudes, I just want to know more. Like, do they have a culture? It doesn't kind of seem like it. Like, do they have a leader? Is there like a king demonoid? Like, right. You know, and we know they're at war with all those other like underground, like whatever. Like, are there good? Are there some good demonoids that like don't fucking you know attack people and eat people and shit? Like, is there religion? Like, I don't know. Well, we saw cool. a little bit about. I forget what issue with like the little demonoid family with like the little kids and stuff. Remember? I remember. Yeah. I don't remember the like. And they're in jail apparently, or yeah. you would think. <laughs> Like Malcolm and Angel even wondered if they were still in jail in Chicago. I think there's potential there. I realize that they're kind of blank slatey, but I feel like there's potential. I it, it would bug me more. Like Uglies, the generic Uglies, that did kind of bug me because they kind of just didn't have anything, and you knew they never were gonna. Yeah, I just remember like that, like like the Atlanteans and stuff and like the, the King of Atlantis, he was a cool character. He was mm -hmm. funny. It was like built up over a few issues before they kind of invaded. 
I don't know. It, it just I miss that, you know, and I wished it was more long term build up for these kind of things. And it sometimes it feels like characters just kind of show up and they're gone, you know, with any, any build up, they just kind of appear. There's some fisticuffs and then it's done. What and I realize the demonoids have shown up before, but so it might about, be a little distance and a little different in this instance, but what about and, you, Jim? What's your mileage? What's your take? On what in particular? Demonoids. Shitty I mean, villains? They're not shitty villains. They are, as you say, somewhat blank slate. I mean, their motivations are unclear, except for the obvious. As, I don't know. They're, they, they, they make, they're good visual, and they're good to pound on, but they're not really threatening, to be honest. At least not, you know, as, as a group against other superheroes, they're not, they're not really a threat. I'll tell you what's cool. I hate to jump ahead, but I just have to, just a tiny bit. What I like is the kind of status quo at the end of the issue that is set up for the Demonoids. Mm-hmm. I will definitely remember to talk about it at the end because I think that where they're left at the end yeah. is more interesting than how they are now. Right. At I the get beginning. You. Big, it's ex- exactly how they were kind of left. Or maybe not. I don't know. A one ninety nine. I guess it's not. It's not. No, I'm wrong. We'll talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'll because there's a whole scene and it's the awesome. one ninety nine. They were just like they had that big battle and then they mm-hmm. were just let they let them go back in their hole and I know there was like one of the heroes are like, whoa, we're just gonna let them go and it's like, well, what else can we do? We can't jail them all or whatever. And that's what's so cool in this issue. We'll bring it up when we get to it. But like right. I said, like I think that the, that that scene uh, kind of has a cool potential status quo for these guys that could make them a little more interesting in their implementation. Okay. But uh, yeah, we'll talk about it when we get there. No need I, to jump that far ahead. So I here, do. Here's Go something ahead. about this issue that you do not see in Savage Dragon very often. Mm. Captions. Love All them, throughout the issue. Yeah. Malcolm narrating the whole thing. It's just not something Eric does very often. Yeah, it's only when, like, Alex is talking that he does that stuff. <laughs> I mean, during the, like, uh, the Savage World, Dragon did a lot of caption stuff, too, but yeah. not not recently. The Alex right. stuff was ages ago. Uh, I thought it just happened again, too, recently. Did it? No? Am I wrong? I don't recall. No. I saw that you're a fan, Jim. I saw you tweet. You're like, oh, caption boxes. Yes. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. Remember remember when I went on that rant about the spawn issues? Oh, yeah. Horrible, we hated those. Captions? Yeah. These are not bad captions. These are good captions. These are good captions because they add to the story the emotion. They aren't just telling me what I'm already looking at. Captions done right. Yeah, absolutely. I also think it really helped to sell kind of the intensity of their attack. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, you know, like kind of like he was saying things that like you, you know, you're not going to just get through a visual. Like, oh, people are being torn apart, you know, and stuff like that. Like, you know. Also, you get the interesting lettering where every box has the uh, first letter in oversized in green. Yeah. Yep. Which is kind of neat. Tells you that Malcolm's the one narrating. <laughs> I love how like um, 
all like the first few pages of the battle are all like the small panels of like you know each character gets their own little panel especially that nine panel page that's like all all the heroes fighting man that would be a pretty sweet piece of original art to have oh yeah dude too bad you're never gonna get it nope (laughs) no kidding (laughs) no that's good uh yeah, man, that's, like you said, if you want to get a page, that's a good one to get. Yeah, the four-panel page that's uh, got the Freak Force guys fighting. Love it. Love like, it. That that spread is awesome, the two-page spread. Yeah, the big double page that it opens the issue yeah, with. Yeah, with the uh, Super Pager just blasting through that demonoid's head. And it's cool because you get giant demonoids, like, you get, like, the giant demonoids and the flying ones, and, like, oh, it's so cool. Like, you're talking about, like, demonoid variety hell yeah yeah like the guy in the middle of that double page spread like the crater eyes and then yeah dude <laughs> there's a guy on the right corner it's got like the weird horn or even like down to like interesting here's what's cool this is why i like them more than the uglies just the variety of them going on yeah like, you know just the dude's got like the shoulder spikes like the guy that's uh super patriot is blasting him up yep. you know just a little variation over some of the other people Sure. It's good. It's good. These demonoids seem obsessed with, like, sex, though. They're just, like, yeah. raping everybody. I'm telling you, dude, cannibal demon rapists. <laughs> like, fucking evil. Well, they're not really cannibals. They, oh, uh, yeah. people. They might eat each other. We don't know. <laughs> what do you call it when somebody eats humans? gotta be a word for that well if a human eats a human it's cannibalism but if they're not human it's just dinner (laughs) dinner dinner dude i i didn't catch the scene and i i think i think it was a missed kind of opportunity the way uh the one page where angel gets punched and like her wig flies off yeah but i think with the panel being yellow like it didn't make the wig pop like i didn't notice the wig flew off yeah I think the sound totally, effects in like the wrong place. I don't know. I think if like the panel was like a different color or something, like the blonde wig would show up more. Because I just, I just kind of just glazed over it and didn't realize until the last panel what had happened when I looked right. back up. Yeah, there's some yellow skies going on here. You know I'll agree I feel with about that. that. <laughs> Must not slam table. No, it's good. And it's also kind of funny just to see the little, you know, Daredevil trying to, oh, no, Angel. I guess he's still got it for her, you know? Right. But here's my man. Here's the secret MVP of this issue. Scourge. <laughs> so awesome, dude. I still, I, I want to know what's behind. Like, is that whole thing a suit? Um, it, Eric said in the interview, he said it's like a suit and organic. It's weird though. He's got like the. It looks like his arms are like, and his face are organic. But I don't know. Yeah, it's like a bio suit. Yeah, dude, he's got those claws that just like slice and dice. Oh, it's so awesome. He is. He is so badass, and I love the demonoid that is like mostly off-panel, <laughs> like the like mouth his, and the tongue. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, with his tongue and his eye and like mouth, it's so good, dude. It is so good. Just all the demonoids just getting eviscerated. By the way, 
There's a word for being cut up alive. They're getting vivisected. Yes. Ah. Yep. So good, dude. And even the, like the Canadian, like the Canadian cops, like with their like you know guns and stuff, like just getting like chopped up. Ah, oh, it's so good. Yeah, so, demon always just flying over them and just swinging their arms, just slicing and dicing. Oh, it's so good. This is this issue, dude. <laughs> I like the, I like the mini panel where Dart throws her a little dart and that guy's wiener gets blown up. <laughs> exactly. <It's so> good. <laughs> or even like that panel of Horridus, like where she's like swinging the demonoid around with her tail. Yeah, that's good, dude. How about the how about the runk sound effect? The barbaric squishing that guy's head, uh, just pounding that guy's head. I love the the jaggedy runk. Or his expression, <laughs> like the, the yeah. demonoid's expression. Yeah. Barbaric's a badass in this. He is, dude. I will, uh, if I have to pick, I have to just say that I wish that there was a scene where, like, his being red was in some way, like, uh, like a cop tried to shoot at him. Or, like, you know. Oh, demons. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, demonoids, like, maybe the demonoid women would try to, like, mate with him or something. Right. Just, uh, you know, not going to say Mr. Opportunity. Just would have been a good little fun thing to have in there. Freak Force, though, fucking so awesome. Look at Thunderhead. So wimpy. Running. <laughs> There's Running. another uh, six-panel um, page with Freak Force coming up. And uh, Barbaric looks badass. And they all look cool in it. Every All the Freak Force pages look really cool. This is a really great comic for showcasing Freak Force. Yeah, yeah, I love darts exploding darts. Like the way they're used in this one. Yeah. So good. So good. Yeah, man. And fucking Mighty Man. So good. <laughs> Just flying through people and stuff. There's one. Where is it? Like I, We haven't gone past it yet where he's just sort of like chopping the demonoid. It's just like a karate chop, and the guy's just like exploding into juice. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Yep. Now we have to talk about it. We can't gloss over oh, it. Oh, like, I don't want to. I don't want to. Super disturbing, like the basilisk scene, dude. When, when you when you flipped that page and you saw that, were you just like, what the fuck? Well, I oh. said, well, Eric's uh, regret kept keeping her alive, I guess. Sick to my stomach. Sick. I was just saying... Eric hates selling comic books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's because it. I not not that it's bad. It's just that you know, all right, people already had a hard enough time with the nudity. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, this is would you know? I had a feeling and it didn't really happen. I thought it was going to be like bleeding cool. Oh my god, rah, rah, rah. it wasn't as bad as I thought the reaction was going to be. Mm-hmm. I did see on Facebook some of the links to at least one forum where people were bitching about it long time reader oh i'm done now final straw Ugh, it makes me so sad dude um hey, there's two things i'm I'm super happy that eric doesn't give a shit what, what people think obviously because mm-hmm. if he did he wouldn't do half the stuff in his book i'm glad he follows his own muse and does what he wants but at the same time i'm like oh, i hope this doesn't hurt sales too much bad that you know it just makes it to a point where, you know, the book can't come out anymore. I uh, I'll totally agree. Uh, I mean, for me, of, of course, I like you know uh, the story needs to do what the story needs to do, and uh, I think that 
You know, it's, you know, nobody is given uh, this current run on Savage Dragon any credit for is that everybody's saying Savage Dragon's poor now, Savage Dragon sucks, sucks, sucks. But with, as of this issue, um, there's been a ton of sex and consequences. Yes. Yeah. In the book. So the thing is, is the big criticism is that, oh, it's just sex. Oh, you're trying to get attention. Oh, it's just sell. It's like, but the thing is, is that that's not what has happened. Like at fucking all, like everything that has happened in the book has had serious ramifications and consequences. If you want to call having children a consequence, I mean, I guess it is a consequence of having sex, but like I'm saying this issue brings in sexual violence into the right. mix and, well, and let's just come out and say because for the listener listening that might not be following along in the book in right. front of them this is the scene where that basilisk villain basically just had his way with uh, Maxine and it's it doesn't show anything really it's, but yeah, it's, it's all the implicit. aftermath of the scene and it's the I think part there's two parts of it is like the kids are the ones that stumble upon it, and then oh, yeah. just the dialogue. Oh yeah, dude, is he's so evil. Evil, and you know the scene is just really disturbing. Yeah, and of course it's like if credit where credits due. I mean, if we didn't care about Maxine, it wouldn't have mattered. Like if it was just some like we see demonoids like holding you know women's legs open like in the background left and right, but of course you right. know fucking this is Maxine. You know, and we do care about her, and those are her kids. Like fucking, just ah, it's rough. <laughs> it's awful. It's not easy. I think a lot of it. Like I'm with you, Craig. Like I just, I really hope that like people don't let it be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Right. Like, because especially. And again, we won't jump to the end, but like the new quo that this establishes, I mean, like basically, like if you had a problem with that stuff, I can't imagine it being a part of the book going forward. Like, not really. Yeah. Like, so I just I never know. expected this scene. Like, I turned the page and I was like, oh, whoa. Really? Based on how last scene left it? Yeah, I, I thought, I, I mean, I, I know it was hinted at, but I didn't, I thought she would be saved. I didn't oh. think that there would be a scene like that. I really didn't. I'm with Jim. I yeah. I kind of saw it. I, she's just dodged way too many bullets. I thought she was legit going to die. I thought she was going to. Well, she did, actually. Well, get, again, but I mean, not brought back this time. Yeah, I thought she was. I, I thought she was going to get raped and murdered. And, uh. I mean, oh, God, I was prepared for the worst. Like, I was on fucking, like, edge this whole issue. And uh, I don't know, dude. Like, yeah, I'm with Jim. Like, I kind of saw it coming. Like, Maxine's just dodged way too many bullets. Like, I just, I knew, I knew she wasn't going to get saved. <laughs> like, uh, yikes. And then the kids being there, I thought for sure the kids were fucking goners, too. Because there's so many of them, the kids are kind of almost set up as disposable too. Anyway, I just feel like this changes our character. Like, I mean, I don't know how well, it, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And it, I definitely. just didn't see that coming because I, I feel like Eric has a lot of fun with his character, and like now it's like you almost put yourself in a weird position where you can't write it the same because it's almost offensive if you do. 
It'll be real interesting going forward, dude. Like, uh, I think uh, it's like one of the points, like, it was funny. I'm not I'm not calling anyone out. Like, by the way, like, if you're disturbed by this, that's fine. This is disturbing. Like, it's kind of like when you read stuff in entertainment, I think a lot of people struggle with that. Like, when you see something horrific in entertainment, it's like you're not meant to really be entertained by that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, it is a horrifying thing that you have seen, and so it's fine. It's fine to be like, like this thing is revolting to you in your entertainment. And so... uh but I don't know, like somebody brought up the point, like I just saying, like, I'm not going to like criticize anybody's like viewpoint. Like if someone was like, uh, it's just, I can't deal with it. It's like, that's fine, dude. It's sensitive subject. Like <laughs> it's, it's totally understandable. Um, but when Eric said, he was like, oh, you know, like the character wasn't put in a refrigerator. Like, you know, like I didn't, I didn't like destroy the character to make Malcolm look big and heroic. He was like, and you know, she's a survivor. Like she survived. And so I think that's what's going to be like the crazy interesting thing is like what happens from here, like what like what she does, <laughs> where the book goes, you know. Right. Yeah, it's I'm a little bit in, in some aspects, you know, I know we've talked about this in the past. Like I felt like some of the the sex stuff has got to be a little much for me and I didn't need to see it as much. I felt like it took. Away from certain other aspects of the book that I enjoyed, like like just panel space for other things, but I am kind of bummed out that this could potentially affect the character long term, and it's not the same character anymore. And I kind of enjoy the kind of zaniness of Maxine, so we'll see how it, it turns out. But right, yeah, uh, I mean that's what's so crazy like even their relationship like malcolm and maxine's relationship like obviously it's not entirely physical yeah i just like that she's the aggressor in the relationship she's kind of like the the dominant one in a way and he's always kind of just like i don't know more passive about things yeah yeah it was cool Uh, they had an amazing dynamic it's weird dude like i said this is like the craziest status quo shakeup because like like you said like it changes fundamentally so much that was that this character was and her relationship to the main character like it changes it so much dude it's crazy right it'll be interesting it'll just be interesting to see what happens jim thoughts I, I feel like I've talked too much. <laughs> no, nah, I, I got nothing in addition to really to say. Um, I mean, it's... Uh, I will say, I don't think Eric has attempted anything like this before, where he needs, where he's basically going to change a character so dramatically. Right. Um, usually they just die, and they're gone. Right. And living with the consequences is generally something that Dragon or Malcolm has to deal with. Mm-hmm. Not not the person in question. Yeah, great observation. So, I guess we'll see where it goes. I feel like the, the other character, too, that gets kind of all screwed up is uh, 
Mighty Man, because don't forget, she's just like a little kid. Yeah. And you kind of see that at the end where she has a breakdown after just murdering a bunch of demonoids. Yeah, yeah. Even uh, even like Sarah, you know? Like uh, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Hort- Hortus. I thought she was it, a goner. Gets it as bad. Um. I thought she was dead too, dude. I was on pins and fucking needles. I know Gavin said he was like, oh, yeah. He's like, I I didn't know what the fuck to think. He was like, uh, <laughs> Gavin's like, I was scared for Hortus. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Me too. Like, I would say I said this on the forum post and I want to say it in the fincast just because I think it's important. Um, I feel like in a, in the, in a superhero comic, like there's stuff that you can and really just kind of can't do because it just doesn't work because of the way a lot of superheroes are. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the issue I brought up that had like corporate comics, like, um, the identity crisis, Mm -hmm. uh, that had Dr. Light be a rapist. I don't know if you guys read that. No, I didn't read it, but I am well aware of it. All right, so here's the thing. Just for the listeners who may not know, I'll keep it tight. He, uh, Dr. Light, was uh, always a Z-lister series-like character. And then, like, uh, they had a miniseries written by, like, Brad Meltzer. And, like, uh, Dr. Light had it apparently raped Sue Dibney, the elongated man's wife, and instead of killing him or whatever, they had this insane solution where they wiped his memory and made him dumb so that he would never do it again. And then he got his memory back and for the rest of and got angry and decided he would get revenge for what was done to him. And then for the for a while there, I don't know how the characters written these days, but for a while there, he was just portrayed as this like tongue hanging out like pervert like he was like oh and i was just like to me that was the worst way you could possibly ever handle this kind of a thing yeah that series wasn't great it's just awful and it didn't it just didn't go together well like it was kind of like like i i know that superheroes they always do that like um what if uh what if Batman was confronted a situation where he really should kill the Joker. Like they always do that thing, mm-hmm. but then they tried to do blur, like bring in sexual violence, and it just didn't seem handled well at all. Mm. Like I, I hated that. That was the stupidest thing, and especially the fact that like Doctor Light was like, like just like they kept him around as like the evil sexual deviant villain, and I was like, ugh, what a revolting thing. So. In its way, the way this played out, because not only was that like horrible because they let Dr. Light live, right? but they also killed Sue Dibney. So they refrigerated Sue Dibney to have all the heroes have a moment. Right, because she got murdered. Like, she was kicked this whole thing off, the story off. Yeah. Because Dr. Light got his memory back, and I think he murdered her first. Yeah. Yeah. And then Batman got mad because they erased his memory, too. Yeah, and it was just ridiculous, dude, because Batman was like, oh, I'm against it or whatever else. But like it was such a terrible way. And and again, I I can't help but immediately draw parallels because Savage Dragon is a superhero book. And I just 
I just think the way that this book handled it by just totally murdering this fucking monster. Well, like it was just a much his dick off. <laughs> like fucking, he just gets like Malcolm gets fucking furious, and Maxine is of course mad. Like Maxine isn't victimized. Like she goes for fucking revenge, mm. and so she survived, and she like fucking confronted her attacker. And I just think that, like, okay, it was absolutely a horrific thing that happened, but I think that, like, there was so much more strength and, like, like I think there were so many more right calls made in this as opposed to literally the only other example I can think of in superhero comics that, like, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I gotta say, for some fucking crazy hot-button subject matter... I think that, like, there was a lot of respect on these pages, too. You know what I mean? Did you yeah. read uh, Dark Knight 2? Do you I mean did. DK2? Kind, kind of a, yeah, DK2. Kind of a, kind of a okay. poll real quick. If I remember correctly, uh, the, the Joker slash Robin villain, like, sexually assaulted Catwoman in that. And I don't was, remember. No. I don't remember either. I read it when it came out, but I haven't read it since. And so I don't recall. Oh, okay. I thought you guys would be up on your Frank Miller. <laughs> I, will, I will also say that, like... That series know, is bad, too. Yeah, just... I've seen, I've seen this kind of stuff handled so poorly in a lot of other things mm-hmm. that uh, the only other comic I can think of, like, uh, fucking, you know, Jim, you read some manga. A bit, yeah. There's sexual violence. Oh, oh you're Berserk? Well, Berserk is... Berserk's like... your probably your A number one example, because your main character has a... has is, is, is raped as, when he's a kid. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one of the main characters... She's raped as part of a... Uh, betrayal by one of the other main characters, and it's a whole thing, but it's, yeah. it's done as explicitly as it is in this book. And yeah, and for a lot of people who are fans of anime and manga, that was that series in particular is well regarded because of how visceral it is. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you don't get that in a lot of other similar media. Nope. Yeah, you really don't. Even Invincible, um, Invincible had the uh, male rape. Like Invincible got raped. Yeah. And it was, I remember, I recall, like, the way that people handled it. I'm not shitting on Invincible here. I'm just saying that I don't think that Invincible handled it as well as this was handled. Um, I think it was the right call to make things more implicit than explicit, which even in Walking Dead, that's how it went with Michonne. Like, Michonne, you didn't really see much of anything, even though it did happen. Right. But, uh... Yeah, I don't think Invincible handled it as well as this played out in this single issue. Like, I don't know. It was just like Invincible's whole thing was to have a weird time leap. And during the time leap, like his rapist felt sorry for her actions. And Mark never really had to confront her ever. All he did was confront his child. And uh, he fucked that up real good. Yeah. And he fucked. And that was what was crazy is that like he fucked that up. Yeah, so I don't know, dude. It's crazy, but I think like 
of of what I have seen to tackle the subject matter, I think this did it probably the best that I have seen. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of much else that I would have done different or yeah. to to be more sensitive or to help. Well, I, and I think that even so, but we did talk about it, but the last page, like there is repercussions too. So it's not like, all right, everything's back to the status quo either. So Eric's kind of thought about it. And I mean, I think it's obvious that you have to make her a change character. Oh yeah. But, uh, I do. There's a lot of information that's dumped in that last page. Yeah. Yeah. It's two, two months later, their show is canceled now. Yeah. Apparently, Malcolm not saving those uh, strippers didn't go over well. Right. And, uh... There's no more freakout available? See, that's, uh... I'm gonna say that's a little hand-wavy. They they banned (laughs) it, did they? That's convenient. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I think it has to be, because otherwise, you know, it would be like, well, why don't we just use freakout every time to solve our problems? Well, someone's gonna die. That's my problem with freakout in general. Yeah. But just banning it, they're superheroes. They can just go across the river. Right. I don't know. Knock knock over a... Oh, what the fuck? We haven't seen him in forever. What the fuck's his name? Uh, the guy who makes... Bilko? This, Bilko, yeah. Just just rob a Bilko factory. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's... At least... Here's the thing. I, I'll say at least that creates uh, much stronger interest... Yeah. In that it's out there, but now, like, if he wants it, like, it's going to be illegal. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, yeah, I guess there's, it does add more of a challenge to. You can't rely on it because you can't just walk into a drugstore and get it. Yeah. And and they're not just going to have it because right. it's illegal to have. Gotcha. So, I think it kind of adds an interesting wrinkle to that. Uh, yeah. You know, for, for I mean,. Here's the thing. I'm super happy that Maxine survived because I think that A, it's more respectful and B, uh, I think it creates, puts the book in a way crazier status quo. Like it is way crazier that she survived. So I'm glad that she survived. But seeing Maxine dodge the death bullet many, many times, it's like, yeah, it's good to have that option not off the table, but just less, you know? But at least um, Malcolm still has his comic book. No, the sales are bad. Yeah, so sales are bad on Savage Dragon. It keeps going. <laughs> Passion of the creators will keep it alive. Uh, what else? Did, he says something else here that uh, in this uh, when he's laying down all the stuff that changed that we didn't talk about. Uh, let's see, distant comic book bad, TV show gone. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. His recording contract. <laughs> yeah. I guess he had a rap album he was going to drop. It's funny because like this, uh, <laughs> this really reminded me of. Uh, you remember the like the early Savage Dragons where he's sitting in the chair and he's like, "I'm not, I'm not doing good, Frank." Yeah, <laughs> he's just sitting. He's just sitting in the dark, growing a mustache. Yeah. Not doing good, Frank. I'm losing my mind here. You know, <laughs> losing it, going off the walls, Frank. 
So it kind of really puts me in mind because it's funny because I'm not going to like, uh, I've loved the, you know, fun and light tone, but man, for a while, just fucking, it seemed like everything was working out for Malcolm. Right. Like fucking everything. Like he had a reality TV show and everyone in Canada was nice and like loved him. And now he's kind of in a much shittier place. Like no TV show. <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> uh, what else? Oh, the st- so okay. We 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 got deep into the heavy stuff. We skipped over. Uh, oh yeah, we just talked about skirt. kettle corn. Oh yeah, that's my man. Save the was- day. <laughs> yeah, dude. What a hero. He just goes down there, and here's what's great. He goes down there, and if you look, like one of the demonoids has like a little demonoid baby and stuff. Yeah. So it's kind of awesome because this scene's still really super villainous. It's very Sith-like. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I he's... love how he calls all the people his subjects. <laughs> yes. You dare invade my world. You dare rape and kill and mutilate my subjects. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess he's declared himself King of Toronto. King of Toronto, dude. And... On top of that, this is like some fucking badass display of power. Like fucking, he just goes down there and just burns them all up. <laughs> so good. It's crazy, man. Like, he's pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta I mean, He's assume. just taking out women and, and, and children, but still. Well, like, you gotta assume. I mean, it's a suit, right? Like... Is he like modified himself to be stronger th- after his fight with uh, Angel and Malcolm? Probably. Yeah. I, I hope we get a little more background on the suit, the motivation, the character before he's just killed. Oh, I please, dude! I oh, I'd be so sad. He's become so awesome and recurring. Well, he's a good vi- well, recurring. He's only been in like two issues. Good enough. <laughs> He's been like three now, right? Three, four? Maybe three. For the Malcolm era, that's a lot. That's true. <laughs> he didn't die to electricity to the face. He's doing better than most. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you wanted to mention the uh, status quo of the demonoids. Uh, yes, thank you. So that is a cool status quo for them now. And that, um, that, that um, Scourge burned up most of them, and there's like pockets of them like floating around. Right, right, because that gives them a really cool kind of almost a zombie thing, mm-hmm. like where you know you you could just be like hanging out, and then like a fucking demonoid drags you into the sewers to eat you or something. Like just one or two, you know, mind you. Like I think that's a much cooler uh, status quo for them than like you know just a giant army that just like bubbles up to the surface and. Right. So do you think that most of the demonoids are dead now, or do you think this well, is just it, like it, a it, small cluster? It says here that, well, that's a good question. I, it could just be the, lo- the local the demonoid local chapter. population. I would say, if I had to guess, like Jim said, like they're all over, I would say there probably is a lot more demonoids out there. Like, Yeah. Like, if Malcolm goes back to Chicago, there's no reason to think that there won't be demonoids there still. I guess it kind of depends on what the underworld, like, war does. 
if it if we get more more of that story if like more creatures are driven to the surface yeah and again that's another thing like with these demonoids now like scourge went down there and like fucking torched the shit out of them to the point to where malcolm says like there's only a few of them just like lurking about like if you think about it like whatever like underground power struggle there is right technically that creates like a vacuum underneath toronto giant ants whatever like so it's cool man this this fucking issue dude the status quo what if the demonoids were victims all along (laughs) of of some other there's a puppet master (laughs) what if they were desperate being driven to the surface they're the last of the Even if they're desperate, they're still evil as hell. Yeah, they're not great. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Even the ones who aren't rapey, they're uh, they're murderous. Yeah. And also, too, I think it's interesting, uh, again, like I say, when I talk about demonoids being better than, like, um, like, the uglies or whatever. Yep. Like, check it out. Like, okay, like, what the fuck kind of demonoid was Basilisk? Like, he was intelligent. Yeah, he was the most and, articulate of them all, but he was, like, shaped like a dog. And he could still talk with a giant tongue hanging out of his mouth. Didn't it kind of seem like the dick was talking at one point? <laughs> not not to be too funny, but, like, there's a word balloon going right to the dick. Well, was it's, it's, it's I don't hissing. remember. <laughs> I think there is. Like, like, oh, no, it's just hissing. You're right. <laughs> hissing. Okay. It's like hiss. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, what an evil fuck. I did want also to say how goddamn evil to use your dying breath to try and fuck with Malcolm. Yeah. Evil, dude. So evil. Yeah, I don't know. So it kind of makes you wonder, like, are there more, like, intelligent guys like him? Like, not only was he, like, articulate, but, like, he was also named. Like, have you ever seen any other demonoids, like, with names and shit? Right. I don't know. I think even though they are basic as fuck, I feel like there's still a lot of potential there. You know what I mean? I think so. I, I think, uh, but I think that Eric's kind of set his piece of them for a while. So I don't know how much more potential will be built up. I could be wrong. I, I don't know, but well, think how, think how fucking traumatizing it will be for Maxine to see, uh, any demonoid now. Right. Like, ugh, just, I don't know, dude. This book is in a fucking crazy place. (laughs) Holy shit, what a crazy status quo. So, yeah. And next, the captain's name is Tootsie. (laughs) I know, dude. (laughs) Such a weird, like, (laughs) like, it's so serious. Like, oh, everything's different now. I lost everything, you know. Everyone's in way more danger. <laughs> Coming up next, Captain Tootsie. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> exactly, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, crazy issue. It's funny, just a little insider baseball. Like, as soon as we all got this, like, fucking, we were just emailing each other. We're like, intense. Yeah. Because <laughs> we don't want to spoil it for each other. <laughs> but I gotta say something. I was just like, "Oh, good Lord, Craig, Jim, <laughs> did, did you did you fucking read that issue? Holy shit! Oh, nuts! 
That's absurd. I'm with you. Uh, I'm so fucking thankful Bleeding Cool didn't jump on this shit. Thank God. Right. They could have made it so much worse. <laughs> we get a little uh, Night Watchman. We do. You know, I'm I'm surprised that Savage Dragon never crossed over with Night Watchman. I mean, he did. Unless I'm misremembering the issue I looked at. I mean, I don't think he was like in a Night Watchman story. I mean, but I'm pretty sure he crossed over with the what, what what were they called the the Justice League equivalent? Well, I there I know that cover. That's all I know of it. Where he's appearing over the big crystal ball, right? And they're in a circle. Well, around. I meant. I, oh, I'm sorry. I guess I meant in the pages of Savage Dragon. Oh, because the, the, I yeah, the Big Bang characters have not appeared in Savage Dragon. I think you know he does a lot of different crossover characters. I think doing one with Night Watchman would be kind of a fun, like Savage Dragon Batman crossover that we'll never get to see. You know yeah, what I mean? In a way, not a bad idea. I like where you're going with that. Cut your jib. Yeah, that'd be good. Especially, like, this is just such a good Mighty Man right here. This balloon punching the building. Uh Yeah. I'm just saying, I really buy it. Like, I buy buy those characters meeting. Right. It's a cool little story. A little flashback. (laughs) It was funny. So, like, as I'm reading this, like, I'm like, oh, shit. So, not only is Night Watchman there... And you've got your Robin style character, but then they've got like fucking Batmite. Yeah. <laughs> and like they don't even pull any punches. He's like a prankster from another dimension. I'm like, oh shit. Night Sprite. Night Sprite. <laughs> Night Sprite. I wasn't prepared for Night Sprite. This was new to me. So like I was not prepared for Night Sprite at all. One cool thing, like, I know we're going to be doing the, the Ninja Turtle review, but there's one issue of uh, 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 Gary Carlson and Fosco's Ninja Turtles that does cross over with Night Watchmen. Yes. Which is pretty cool. That's coming up soon, I think. And it's more like Frank Miller-esque Night Watchmen, if right. I remember right. Yeah, because there was that whole miniseries where they riffed on Night, uh, the Dark Knight Returns. Uh, yeah, that style, which is cool that they also do that with Night Watchmen. They give them different styles. Yeah, it, if I remember correctly, that they they vary them up based on the era: is Golden Age, is Silver Age, is Modern Age. Right. They're all different. Right, which is like what they're doing with Captain Marvel. I know a Captain Marvel, but Mighty Man here. They're giving him like that CC Beck look. Mm-hmm. As the balloon and and Big Bang did do that with Mighty Man. You know what's great as a uh, new reader of this because I didn't read any of this. This is all new to me. Uh, I'm interested to see what the next part of this is. <laughs> like the little cliffhanger. I was like, oh shit, okay. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just that. That was it. I said my like basically like. <laughs> It, it ends with it being like next issue of Savage Dragon. And I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I thought, you know, so many of these backups just wrap up in the issue. Right. And so I just really wasn't prepared for this cliffhanger. And so it's kind of funny because I was like, you know, I was reading this. And I was like, oh, Night Watchman. You know, I mean, I don't hate him. I don't love him. I'm kind of lukewarm. But I was like, oh, shit. I do want to know what happens to Night Watchman. <laughs> I'll tell you what. is I like this way better than like the strip kind of way that. 
they were doing it previously. We got one one daily comic strip every month. Yeah, yeah, that was a little too slow. So much. I thank you for mentioning that because yes, dude, this is so much better. Like I like get like two months of just like pastry Pete, the fucking villain, chef villain, talking, and it was like I don't want to see this. Happy birthday, Night Watchman. <laughs> you know, I just I just kind of realized what it was what what it is about Night Watchman's costume that bothers me. What's he, that? he doesn't have a cape. Nope, he doesn't. Well, obviously, he doesn't have the horns, but well, that, that I could take. It's just kind of weird not having a cape. I mean, you know, dude, you don't need a cape to watch the night. He's got a belt, big ass utility belt. He's good. It's good. Believe it or not, what's funny is... I guess this... it would be, like, way too much if you put the cape on. Yeah, because then he's totally just Batman. Right. He's just Batman without ears. But what's funny is this brought me on, dudes. I was I was not super into Night Watchmen stuff, and, yeah, this backup has me on board. I'm like, okay, cool. Dude, I, I love the, the look of the, the funnies header with the Savage Dragon and Night Watchmen heads yep. on <laughs> yeah. the back page. Double yes. build. It's great. It's fantastic. These comics like... are pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I I give it. I give the prize the heck if I know comics. That one's a real good one. It's a great <laughs> gag. That's hilarious, dude. <laughs> but you know, Pop are these bees is hilarious too <laughs> for a one panel. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Please. I think uh, I'm hoping in the next funnies for the listeners that we get our uh, Fincast ad in there. Kind of like where the for fun in comic fun, for the best in comic fun, read funnies on this funnies. Hopefully we get our... I wonder if we got cut because this got put in the back page. Well, I don't think it was supposed to be in this issue. Oh, right. It's supposed to be in the next one. But uh, listeners, keep your eyes peeled for our in-house Fincast ad. Graciously put together by Adam Pruitt. So, uh, hopefully, we I see. think Raven might have been involved as well. That's yeah. Sorry, Maybe. Raven. Raven. Maybe. Raven drew up a sweet, sweet picture. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. And Adam got us the the in. And did he do colors? He did. He colors, did. Right? Yeah, he colored it. It looks cool. It looks he, well, yeah. Because I can't do that retro, and he he like gave it that like super sweet retro. Oh, it's good. It's good, dude. That'd I'm excited. Be, that'd be pretty sweet. Let me see print with that. I'm excited. So, uh, time to get into the dessert, I guess. Yep. Let's uh, uh, let's hit this real quick. We had our meat and potatoes. It's time for a little quarter d'oeuvres. Just catching up with uh, our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Urban Legends issues. We're going to look at issue number six. Jim, if you were to give a Savage Fincast style intro right now for Ninja <laughs> Turtles Urban Legends, what would you say? Off the dome. What, you mean like a... This I, is the Savage Fincasts, but do it with turtles. Oh man, he's putting you on the spot. Yeah, now, I gotta, now I have to kit bash a title. <laughs> this this is the the Savage Shellcast. Yes, the show that is like a 
Turtle in a face mask. <laughs> Cutting down a cyborg robot, Turtle. <laughs> My name is Jim Purcell. And I'm Craig Olson. I'm Raven Perez. A boo-boo boy. <laughs> so this Can issue... I... Yeah, what? Oops, sorry. Just going to say, I really think the colorist found their feet solid. It is a lot better than it was for the first, uh, the second and third issue. Yeah. In particular. Did... No no erroneous uh, shadows. Yeah. Or as many, anyway. Yeah. No, the coloring is good on this issue. Like, yeah, really. Right, right on the first page, you get this really neat reflection in the water. I got to mm-hmm. wonder what that would look like in uh, in black and white, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's what's so funny is, like, I'm looking at this, and I was like, oh, yeah, dude, like, this looks like it was drawn for color is what's crazy. Uh, there's a few things. I have to, you know, I should pull out my old comp, my black and white ones to compare it, but, yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's a few things where I'm like, ah, this probably works better in black and white, but I do have to go back and look at the differences. Mm-hmm. Because there are some things like I think the issue before this issue five, where uh, Donatello's kind of talking to the robot in his head, right? Mm-hmm. And on the printed page in the color, the they made the head kind of glowing, which was a cool effect. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how it came off in black and white. I got to look at it, but I can't imagine it looks as good. But then there's other things in black and white that I feel look much better, and a lot of this book is set at night, you know, and they're ninjas, which (laughs) I just think the black and white kind of really helps kind of give you that in the shadows type feel. So uh, if I may transition from that and say that I think that I, this issue has probably the best thing that Frank Fosco has ever drawn. Oh, I know what it is. (laughs) The poor baby. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about Mikey's uh, face. Oh, what? I was saying, poor baby, I'll kiss your boo-boo and make it better. Right, yeah, That's that amazing. face. Mikey's face. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That face is amazing, Look at that face. Dude. Yeah, yeah, it is good. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> Look you at ever the see a turtle pucker? <laughs> it's so good. As soon as I saw it, I started dying laughing, dude. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that is a 10 out of 10 Ninja Turtle. <laughs> this is a this I, we talked about this a little bit again kind of before we recorded but this issue's kind of a, a break from the previous issue and it's more of a let's get to know how Donatello kind of operates mm-hmm. and then I think it's also serves as an intro back into the series for April and Casey Jones right yes yeah because we have not they, seen them yet Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I don't know what the fuck I'm on, but I didn't. I had no idea that they didn't have a kid or that they had a kid. I was like, "What the?" Who, well, Casey Jones. Casey has a kid, kid with the with his ex. Oh, okay. All right. You count turtles apparently among the things that I'm just a poser on and don't know shit about. Yeah, I, I believe Shadow was briefly introduced in the previous uh, Mirage series. She's okay. bit, she's a much bigger deal in the following uh, the next Mirage series, Volume Four, because she's a teenager and she's really taken after the turtles. Oh, they're like her godparents. They're like teach her how to be a ninja. She's awesome. 
That's sweet. Because that series takes place in a real time. Amount of time has passed, so she's she's like ten year, ten years have passed. So she's like mm. a, she's like a teenager. I, I hear like a cat in heat back there. Every time she poops, she cries. <laughs> Apparently, cats do that. No, they don't, dude. They're like, Your what the fuck is problems. happening? Poops leaving my body, meow. Well, not, not as she poops when she gets out of the box. Oh, they start. She cries like she's trying to get, <laughs> trying to. I don't know if it's supposed to like scare predators off or something. Was she was she staring you in the eye while she pooped? No, she's as trying to podcast. <laughs> That's a dog thing. <laughs> This is good, dude. I like that Donatello's, like, um, fucking crazy suicide attempt to test. Like, there had to be a safer way to test that. <laughs> Don't come closer. Don't do it, Donnie. Like, you know, he, like, tries to shoot himself to prove that he can't. Oh, yeah. It's cool, though. I think it was a cool little fake out where, you're like, you're like, oh, man, he's in bad shape. But it's like, nah, he's not really trying to kill himself. I mean, I do. If he couldn't, if he couldn't. I think the idea is that if he couldn't control himself, it'd be better if he was dead. Yeah, ah, maybe that's good. Good thinking, actually. I do like what they did with the colors when it blasted. That kind of like washout. Yeah, like just given the intensity of the blast, that's pretty awesome. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is like good coloring stuff going on in yeah. this one, man. Yeah. Even this next page where they're all arguing, and uh, I thought that. The, you know, Raphael's face looks pretty cool on that last panel. The one where, uh, it's the same page where, like, Donatello's switching up his arm. He has a gun, then he has a drill. Yeah. Then oh, yeah, yeah. Raph's face on the very last panel looks pretty cool. Yeah. Good, dude. Um, I like Donatello's little morphy bow. Like, his morphing bow hand. Yeah, it could spin, like... So much of this was Make spoiled a good for action me. figure. Yeah. Well, you know what's cool about it, and this is what's so funny. Like, it makes me laugh that people would like not take to this, because basically this makes Donatello like you know, metalhead, or was it Mechanic? Um, Me- Mechanic was He Man. Yeah, no, Mechanic yeah, it was, was, it was Metalhead. Yeah, Metalhead. Yeah, this basically makes Donatello Metalhead, and like Metalhead was my favorite fucking. Well, well Metalhead toy. Was, a, was a total robot. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you get what I'm saying, though. Basically, like yeah. this is a robot turtle. Like, what's the hate about this cyborg yeah. Donatello? Well, I like him because he's because Donatello is a tech guy, and now he's a techno guy. Yeah, yeah. And he's still exper- He's experimenting on himself. That's something Donnie would do. Yeah, I, I don't know. What's so funny is like, I, as I read this, I was like, this Donatello, like you said, Craig, this is like the Donatello is a cyborg issue. Yeah, and like as I was reading this, I was like, "This is cool as shit." Like, why wouldn't people like this? Yeah, dummies, you stupid past dummies. I think I I just think it's really fun, and I think we mentioned this before. You know, like everything could eventually go back to the status quo, but right. it was a fun way to kind of differentiate the turtles, especially when. You know, they're all wearing red bandanas and it's a black and white comic or whatever. You know, like, you got, you know, the guy with the scarred face. You got the cyborg. Volume volume 4 addressed that. You tell them they're different because they have different weapons. Yeah. (laughs) 
Like even this shot of them just relaxing on the pillar while Casey sneaks up. Yeah. It, it's got like hilarious music. Like they're relaxing, but they're also holding their weapons. So you know who's who. Exactly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they don't have the little letters on their belt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Do you guys remember uh, how Casey Jones talked in the cartoon? Uh, Not I in the can't cartoon. Remember. He talked like a bad Clint Eastwood, right? Uh, all right. So what's funny is I don't read Casey Jones like normal dialogue where he's like walking through the sewers with groceries and stuff, which, by the way, gross. But also, <laughs> yeah, weird, right? But anytime a loaf like, of French bread just floating <laughs> around in the sewer, just getting poo air on it. <laughs> but, but like whenever every time he's delivering a Casey Jones style bit of dialogue, like look alive, Buckethead, mm-hmm. I totally hear that. Like, look alive, Buckethead. Nobody yeah, that is how he's hard. <laughs> Nobody messes up my friends. <laughs> it's party time. <laughs> obviously, obviously not. I think I, I, I think I think of the guy from the live action movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's because oh, he's yeah. smart. He got this really thick, like New York accent. <laughs> Did he ever play in any other movie? Uh, I don't know, honestly. He peaked. <laughs> peaked, peaked early. You go to his IMDb page. It says Casey Jones retire. Yeah, he's done. He's finished. Where did did Casey Jones like American uh, hockey? mass come from was it from the simon bisley uh body count series or something i remember it in that but i don't remember it anywhere else i have no idea nope out of the loop i i I thought it originated in this series uh when uh when raft got cassie's old mask but apparently he already has his mask so i have no idea. no yeah it came from another series and i want to say it's the body count series but i don't remember i'll be honest i'm not a fan of it (laughs) <laughs> I think it looks a little bit goofy. Yeah. You know, it's weird. I kind of dig it just a little bit. I, th- I hate the stitch mouth. Yeah. Like, I, I really do hate the stitch mouth. But, like, for some reason, the stars and stripes on that mask, it's working for me. But I can, I'm almost like 98% sure, 99% sure it was. Body count? It, well, yeah, or but it was definitely not from this series. Like it already existed, and Frank was just drawing off of a model that already existed. You know, uh, here's a really sweet sound effect: that walk where he's hitting Donnie in the back of the head with the bat. Mm-hmm. I oh, love. Yeah. It's like a marker, almost like. Yeah, I love it, dude. Was that like that in the black and white one? I don't know. It's, Come on, Craig. Even the womp. I get well. I got to pull it out and check it out. The <laughs> womp on the next page is very similar. Yeah, that's something that you don't. We never saw in Dragon. I mean, we saw it like that, but not with like the kind of like marker that's running out or whatever. Yeah, that's what's cool is it's got that like running out marker look. Very nice. Very nice. I'd be interested if that was like a. Uh, a modern embellishment they put on that. I'm going to guess that it's drawn into the art because this would have come out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Case. Definitely. I think it's just I... colored. I, it probably had that. They probably, they probably did the marker and it probably has the outline and they just mm. colored it in. I will tell you that the coloring, like especially on this page with like 
you know, with the turtles, like their skin and stuff like that. On the page with the womp and the choom, like the the panel with the two turtles and he's saying, holy cow, Mm -hmm. like the colors are making the art pop more and and giving it more depth and stuff, which is really cool. That's what you that's what you want from a colorist, man. You want him to elevate your work. You want him to make you look bad (laughs) on your own. No, nah, it's good, dude. Uh, like that's what I'm saying is like there's so many like I that's what I said is when I feel like the art the colorist really stepped into it. Like it switch over to the little gasp I'm back that panel where Donatello's like coming back. Look at like the little edges where like the you know the edges of his armor is broken up with little white dots. Yeah, it's just a nice embellishment that you know didn't exist in black and white. Right, and you know it, it's a little unfair to Frank. I mean, I'm sure he's over the moon that it's come out in color, but it's a little unfair to Frank because he drew this with the thought that it was going to be printed in black and white. Oh yeah. So I'm sure he would have done things different if this was going to originally be printed in color. What's cool though, is that it works. Like we were sort of picking on the earlier issues for not quite meshing, but I think this looks natural as hell. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think this looks really good. Um, this issue looks like he drew it with color in mind, but also it looks like it could work in black and white. It's good stuff. Yep. Little lots of just lots of little fun stuff, uh, like April doing her little jump and Casey hitting himself in the forehead. Like just lots of like good character, like like good chances for Frank to show acting amongst the characters. Right. Yeah, it's a good issue. It's not, you know, no big villain or anything like that, but it it was more of a kind of get reacquainted with some of the characters and, like I said, test out Donatello's suit because it's new to everybody, you know. He just got it, so it's kind of fun to see what it can do. I'm down. I give it a uh, a 7.5 out of 8. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I will say this. I wonder if Frank Fosco has ever seen a video game controller before. He's <laughs> got the buttons on the wrong side. Oh, does he? Look at it. Oh, yeah, dude. Mm. I give it a 6.8 now. No, I'm joking. No, that's good. That's a hilarious gag. Like that whole sequence. Yeah. Like that's a funny gag. I tell you, I'm kind of stoked on this house ad for Mike Alred, Dick Tracy. Jim is oh, reading, yeah, I'm reading that, that. You? And uh, you want to know what? That was part of the episode that got lost in the audio snafu of last episode. Is what it good? Or, oh, what yeah, it's organic excellent. way for it to come up. <laughs> what issue is it on? Two. Mm, I've, only, I've, only I... re- I've only read issue number one. Well, maybe tell them about it. Go back and get it. Well, it's Dick Tracy, and it's written yeah. by Mike and Lee... But it looks like he's really keeping the classic look of the villains. He is. Um, it is. It is a modern. How do I phrase this? It's, it's set in the modern day, but it's kept. It keeps the classic look. Okay. Um, it isn't. It is not drawn by the Alwards. It is only inked by them. It's actually drawn oh. by. Well, don't because it's awesome because it's being drawn by the guy. Who well, that's a that's a huge uh, thing though. That's what sold me the cover. It's drawn by Mike Alred. But isn't and then you tell me it's not. Fucking art people. 
I tell you what. Best comic on the stands, and it's not good enough because it's not written by the drama of the guy you know. But isn't the, hold on now, bring it back though. Isn't the cover done in the same fashion, Jim? Like yeah, penciled I'm, by the one guy and inked by Alred? Actually, I'm pretty sure Alred's doing pencils and inks on the covers. Oh, okay. Yeah, the interiors so, are done by the guy who did Spy Seal. Okay. And, oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's got the same pop art sort of look. He was definitely handpicked to be the guy. That they ink. Mm. Well, uh, you know what, Craig? Series is real good. Now you got to buy that. I, I got to see some interiors. I know you. I know you're a Spy Seal fan. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm busting on you because you were busting on him when he had his little Spy Seal's not selling. Her. What's that? Oh, Spy Seal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was a little bit baby about um, images marketing of his book because his, his orders weren't super high. Yeah. No, it was even worse. He was uh, he was mad because everybody was being super supportive on social media and stuff, and oh, then right. the orders and then the orders weren't good. And it's like, well, at least you had, you know, people were there for you, dude. It was retailers who failed you. Well, all six issues came out, so. It didn't fail in the end. So, so is Alred writing it? Yeah, bo- uh, both of them. Both of them. His wife. His, his wife ain't Hold here. Hold on, let me pull it up. I got Laura. It Laura Alred. No, I think it's his <laughs> brother. What? Hold on, I have to verify these. Could facts. be his son. His Could son, be. maybe. It's written by Lee and Michael Alred. Penciled by Rich uh, Tommaso and inked by Michael Allred. And colors are by Laura. Laura's the wife. Right. Spy Seal is the pencils. Mm-hmm. Mike is the inker. So who is this mystery other Allred? This Lee. Lee. I think it might be his son. Could be his son. So Mike and Tyke? Tyke Allred? <laughs> Does anyone call their children Tykes anymore? Come no. on. You little Tyke. He's the brother. He's not the son. He's the brother. No. And and they and if I remember correctly, they work together all the time. They both their names are on Bug. Huh. I didn't know that. First I ever heard of it. Not like that means anything. <laughs> I gotta tell you though, Alred not doing the art is a big hit for me. Bah. And also <laughs> Fe. <laughs> You're inches away from getting a table slammed on you, Olson. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah. How, how are you gonna experience new things if you always limit yourself like this? Yeah, I don't. I try other new things. I just name one. I, uh, <laughs> you can't. You guys been reading Rumble at all from Image? Yes, I love Rumble. <laughs> that okay. artwork is fucking, fucking fantastic. fantastic. <laughs> See, Jim, we can be friends about that. <laughs> you don't have to get mad about me not liking Dick Tracy. I like other things. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. How about um? Here's another one, which is not really that new or anything. Are you guys reading that Die 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 book with Burnham? I am. I've only read the part of the first issue. I didn't. I, Do you like it or not? I liked it okay. I like I said, I didn't read the whole first issue. I put it down and never finished it, but not because I didn't like it, just because I forgot. I've got to go I back. Have four I, I have four issues. I, I haven't read them at all yet. I have the first three issues. I've really got to get them read. Weird. I'm also buying it and not reading it. 
what the hell? That is, you know, here because here's what's so funny. I was expecting at one point one of you to be like, well, I'm reading it and it's great. Like, I thought that's yeah. where you were going. No. But all three of us are buying it and have it shelved. Yikes. Raven, do you, do you know what that Rumble book is? I know of it. I just haven't uh, bought it. Dude, there's, listen, there's so many image books. I know. I would love to buy. But listen, this thing. artist, David Rubin, mm-hmm. I mean, the story is good, but the art is phenomenal. It's it's very cartoony, but it's mm-hmm. so good. I love the preview that I read. It was like you said, the art was unfucking believable. I just uh, money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so many things. This guy is just an amazing cartoonist. Yeah, it's it's uh, like you wonder, like, where have these guys been and why aren't they bigger? You know, well, that's the weird thing about comics, dude. There's the world is full of so many just jaw dropping talents. And like you said, like, where where have they been? Like, you you know, you can I don't know. It blows my mind. I think that that is seriously why there's no remember how in the old days you had superstar artists like, uh, you know, Jim Lee and, you know, Rob Liefeld and. Everybody was kissing Todd McFarlane's ass and all that stuff. And so you had like the age of the superstar. Right. I, th- I think you'll never have a superstar era like that again. Yeah, Marvel and DC don't want it. Well, not only that. By the way, you're 100% right. But not they go only off that. And start their own companies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they get too popular and they start getting outspoken. Also bad. Uppity. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, uh, it's just funny because I think there's so, like, at any given moment on Twitter, like, I follow, like, hundreds of comic artists. And, like, you'll just, you'll see somebody's art that is just, like, it's like the best fucking drawn thing you've ever seen. And you're like, wow. And you click on it and the dude has, like, 60 followers. Yes. And you're like, huh. That's insane. It is. Too many. Too many well, good artists. Should we wrap this up? I believe we should. With Savage Dragon 241. The captain's name is Tootsie. <laughs> From the golden age of comics comes the preeminent product pitchman, Captain Tootsie. The good captain has taken on a new role. That of government operatives sent to Toronto to capture and retrieve Malcolm Dragon. But the son of Savage Dragon has other plans. And that's good copy, by the way. <laughs> I'm pleased with that. It's Captain Tootsie, can we just say real quick, I want this moment in time where we don't know fucking shit about Captain Tootsie. Just to say, let's revisit this real fast. <laughs> like, here's this uh, Tootsie Roll product sales guy mascot. Whooping up on Malcolm in the fashion of a uh, Incredible Hulk cover, and what did that make you guys feel when you saw it? Feelings. What, what do you mean, <laughs> like because of the homage? No, I'm just saying it, it's kind of funny because like the cover was a huge smash. Like people went nuts when they saw this cover. Like on his social media, like people were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it. I thought it went over real well. Yeah, it's a good cover. <laughs> that's At any it, that's rate, all you're gonna get. Very handsome. That's all you're gonna get. Moving right along. It's my favorite cover. <laughs> it's my favorite cover in a while. 
Yeah. I don't know. It just got it's just got something about it that I love. I just like I like uh, the pose. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome, dude. And I love covers with uh word balloons on them. Yes. It's awesome. It, it comes together. Can I we'll end this. I'm sorry. I feel like I keep bringing up stuff. I'm so sorry. This is seriously the last thing. Dudes, nine more issues till 250. Yep. That's what comes after 41. (laughs) Can you feel the intensity building? (laughs) You guys are done. I'm done. I'm like. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I mean, I'm excited, but no more than I was when there were 10 and 11. (laughs) I feel like such a fool. Sorry, I'm flaking out. I'm like. Falling asleep. It's, I'm, I'm for the listeners, I'm, it's like quarter to one in the morning. I'm, I'm researching <laughs> Lee Elred. Apparently, apparently, uh, I'm not. You're not crazy for not knowing who this guy is because he literally just started helping out, like in 2013, on like uh, uh, the Elred run on uh, FF Fantastic Four. Mm, that's still five years. I should have heard of him by now. That's right. crazy. Because he's primarily How- a writer. Have a real good Go night, right Craig. <laughs> Are we done? Are we done uh, recording? We're done. S- sweet dreams. It's over. I want, let's put this in there. Sweet dreams, Mr. Olson. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Where we with want us. you. Yeah. Where you can't escape. Thanks, thanks for chatting up Savage Dragon with us. You guys are so welcome. I feel like I'm being mocked right now. No, not you're not. Really. No, dude, I'm sincere as shit. I'm not, but it isn't mocking. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for more real. platitudes. That's it. And thank you, listeners. Now, listeners, I will thank legitimately. <laughs> no mocking platitudes for them. No. All right, thanks, listeners. You're you're fucking number one. No, Savage Dragon's number one. You're number two, listeners. Go, go pecking order. Savage Dragon, the comic book. Eric Larson, the man. Our fans and listeners. Craig Olson, Raven, me. Hey, thanks. I didn't think I was going to rank there for a minute. <laughs> the dirt, the worms in the dirt. I'm okay with that. I'll be the dirt. I'm cool. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>